I'm Allie Blankenship, and you're listening to Semi Question Mark, a short interview-style podcast that inquires about questions, curiosity, and their role in a fulfilled life. Hello, everybody. Welcome back, and thank you so much for tuning in. I'm here today with Ben Spears. Ben, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello. Uh, my name is, again, Ben Spears. Um, <laughs> I'm 19 years old, and I go to the University of Florida along with Allie. Um, I have known this girl my entire life. Uh, <laughs> very close family friends and friends. Well, thank you so much for being here, Ben, today. Um, so to start us off, what is your favorite question to be asked? First off, uh, before I say anything, I want to say that these questions are super, super cool, and I really like what you're doing with this. I, it's a super cool idea. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> so in terms of my favorite question to be asked, I think I really, really enjoy sort of big, big theoretical up in the air conversations with people. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a, a person to person sort of question basis that I enjoy the most sort of just big picture things, I guess. I, I don't know how to put it into words, but like being able to talk with somebody about whatever it is in the world and um, talking about big theoretical philosophy and religion and, you know, the, the 5 a.m. conversations about whatever it is. But um, my favorite question to be asked is for me to be able to answer things about what I think about the world, I guess. People to ask me my thoughts on things and to be able to brainstorm and throw ideas back and forth between each other about what they think versus what I think in terms of philosophy or uh, our, our interests and hobbies and whatever it might be. I just like having that connection with people. Mm-hmm. For sure. And it's always nice when people you know, open that up to you, like they express interest in the topic. So you can really dive into it and know that you're on a mutual level with those kind of conversations. I think it's such a a level of connection and a level of trust with someone to be able to really open up about uh, hobbies and interests and passions and things like that. And to be able to sort of talk about those things without any inhibitions or any fears. I think it's a really big level of connection. And I, I want to get to that level with my friends and my family and everybody. For sure. Um, So how would you define the role of curiosity in your life? I think that curiosity is just all life is pretty much. It's absolutely, it's absolutely essential to life. I think that curiosity and being able to question everything in the world, I guess that's skepticism, but not really because it's in an optimistic way (laughs) Uh, to be able to kind of open your heart out and Be fearless. I think curiosity is fearlessness. Mm -hmm. And I think that fulfillment in life at the end of the day, like satisfaction, it's not as much somewhere you get to or like something you achieve or a certain amount of money you make. It's more the amount you're able to open up to the forces of the world in a good way, in a positive way, and to sort of I don't know, just uh, being open and being curious and actively finding new things 
to open yourself to and to receive input from is what I think fulfillment mm-hmm. and satisfaction is. That's awesome. And I think you definitely hit something, you know, uh, really hard when you said that curiosity is fearlessness. I think that's a really great way to put it. Um, and I don't know, I think a lot of things that we do or don't question stems from that fear or fearlessness. Um, is there anything that you're afraid to question? I love this question so much. That's uh, This question is what I based, like the, the entire response to uh, coming onto this podcast was like, what is fear and how do I base myself off of fear rather than other things? Like you can base your life off of optimism as much as you want to, but at the end of the day, there are things based on your own fears that will limit your openness to the world. And in my experience, what I'm most afraid to question are the sort of forces that are at play in my life that I have no control over. Um, I just finished my first year at uh, college at UF. And the fact that I've just sort of been, you know, dipping my toe into the water and seeing underneath the surface of the iceberg of just the academic institution as a whole is terrifying. And I'm afraid to question how decisions are made and how people get places in academia because it feels shady to me. And just that that's one example of institutions that seem so looming and so big, like government and uh, things like that, that I'm sort of, uh, there's the adage about, uh, you don't really want to see how the sausage gets made. Like, I'm afraid to question things that I might not want the answer to in regard to how these huge, monolithic, unstoppable forces sort of shape the lives of everybody and we accept it without saying anything about it and that goes for companies and just the, the facets of the human world that we have built to further ourselves and whatever it might be that we sort of have to say oh, okay yeah that that's just college you just have to do it or that's just the government you have to give your taxes to them just <laughs> things like that we all take for granted on a daily basis. And mm-hmm. I, I find that interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point in that, like, when you're questioning those big kind of things, you know, I think part of that discomfort does come from, you know, not feeling like if you knew that there was an answer that wasn't um, something that was right or just that, like, we as people probably don't feel as though we on the individual level can address that. We can't control it. That's yeah. the thing. You, you, it is something to be responded to. Like you, you, you bounce yourself off of it. You have no say in those sort of facets of our lives. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of sitting there and you, you have to address it as it relates to you. You can't do anything to change it. Well, you can, but that's a whole different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot to get into. Yeah. Um, so amid all of those things that do make you uncomfortable, um, what are the things you find the most comfort in questioning? In addressing the big monolithic institutions of our lives, mm-hmm. I think I'm most comfortable on an individual basis, on a person-to-person, empathetic sort of basis between two friends or in your family. Um, I don't know. I love being inquisitive with people and knowing 
things about them as it relates to their experience in the world and how they stack up with my experience of the world. I think it's so interesting because Mm -hmm. everyone on this earth, different groups of people, different demographics have such different experiences. And before you open yourself out to those experiences, you're sort of living in a bubble and that's not fearlessness. That's not being curious. So I think to live an open life like that, you have to be uh, sort of willing and able to, and actively being inquisitive with people with different life experiences than yourself to open your horizons to that sort of Mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, I agree. I think that's extremely important. Like, you know, you can't live everyone's life. You can't, you know, learn from the situations that you're not put in, but you can learn from the situations that other people have been put in and their experiences. Which, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's of no fault of your own because I, I can't decide how I grew up, you know, mm-hmm. that that's sort of not my decision to make. But now that we're all adults out in the world and now that I have my own life story, it's no one's life story but my own. And that's, that's all I've got. I want to know everyone else's. I don't know. I think that's fun. Mm-hmm. I think that's awesome. Um, so what would you say is the most rewarding question you've ever asked? I like this question a lot. Um, I have a, a, a non-nebulous answer to this one. I have a, a concrete <laughs> answer for once. But um, so it was last year or two years ago, uh, I was applying for colleges. I was you know, filling out coalition and common app and everything, dredging through all that. And um, on my spring break of my junior year, me and my mom went on a road trip going to different colleges and touring and looking around, seeing the different places, what options there were for where I wanted to be, what I wanted to do. And I was really, really sort of in a rut trying to figure out what it was that I wanted to do with this next step in my life. It's kind of choice paralysis at that point. If you could do anything, you end up not doing anything at all. Because, sure. you know, you, you, you have every choice in the world, but how could you possibly choose one? And um, I believe it was my mom that asked me the question that has stuck with me for so long. Um, what would it be that you couldn't live without doing? It, it, as big picture as I wanted it to be. And I asked myself that question. I, I like, what would I be unhappy if I didn't do in my life? And I kind of came to the conclusion that at every point in my life, up until applying for colleges, I was happiest, I think, and at my best and at my most open and at my most fearless when I'm sort of in an act of creating. I think whether it's a building with Legos as a six year old or making plays in high school and whether it's writing or, you know, drawing pictures of a building, whatever it is, I figured out that I'm happiest when I'm creating and that I didn't want to go through my life without being able to make. And that's how I ended up landing on architecture as a major. Uh, instead of going into musical theater, I have always loved it and I always will, but I figured that it's the best sort of intersection between a, I don't want to say a real world career because I have the utmost respect for people in musical theater. And like, that's what I would have done, but it's, it's just something new and something different, but at the same time, it's the same in Mm -hmm. that no matter what it would be, I'm still creating. And it 
it still makes me so happy. And I'm so happy with the choices I've made because I've been able to ask myself that question and land on architecture as a major. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the most rewarding question I've ever asked myself. That's awesome. What's the most rewarding question you've ever asked someone else? Hmm. See, that's very like, that gets into the conversation about my vulnerability with other people, like in other people's willingness to, uh, is this, would this be rewarding for me and getting to know something about somebody else or like rewarding for them? I'm going to do it rewarding to me. <laughs> yeah, that's what um, I was thinking, but I mean, you could, either way it would be great. <laughs> starting out in college. Yeah, yeah, yeah starting out in college, being in this new place with new people that I didn't know prior, it, it's scary. Like for everyone that's like, oh, it's the best thing in the world. You'll make so many, like, like it, it's great, but it's also not that fun when you're sitting alone at all the introduction <laughs> events and everything like that. But um, I, the, like the first week I was in the dorms, I made it a point to just not be weird, not be awkward and knock on every door on my mm-hmm. dorm floor. I feel like that's a little bit cliche, but like everyone does that, but it was really rewarding to be able to just knock on this random blank door, someone answer and start asking information about them. Not weird information, but like, hello, I am on your floor. We live in the same place. (laughs) Um, Just making those connections. I ended up meeting some really cool friends, literally just doing that. One guy was playing Switch and he was playing Super Mario and I knocked on the door and he said, yeah. I'm by myself right now. You want to play. And he ended up being a BFA acting major. And now we're really good friends. And um, so I think that was super rewarding starting out in a new place because uh, we both, both grew up in Pensacola and you like, you, you know, the same people your entire life and it's not a really big thing. It's that small of a place that <laughs> whatever happens, it's just, Oh, it's the same 20 people your entire life. But going to college was completely different in that for the first time in my life, really, I was kind of starting off on that entirely different foot. And I wasn't, you know, I haven't known everyone's entire family from the day I've been born up till now in college. So having to meet those people like that has been very rewarding for me. And we're still good friends. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. Like, that first week of undergrad, there's something so vulnerable about that in that everyone is just completely open to talk about anything and, you know, be asked about anything. And yeah, it's a crazy time. <laughs> and, and, and then the th- second or third week of school, everyone's back closed down again. Like, like there's none of the events going on anymore. Everyone has found their clique of like three or four people. And that's just kind of it for a while. Like, yeah. I thought that was funny, too, that the first week, everyone is all over the place exploding with extrovert energy. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as all the introduction events are over, everyone's like, OK, we got to go to class now. We can't be <laughs> friends with everybody in the world anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I think part of that definitely stems from like the energy, like, you know, you're doing so much like and it takes a lot of effort to foster friendships and like yeah. actively be inquiring was... about people's lives. and Like 40 friendships at the same time where you can't remember all the names because there's so many people at once. Exactly. <laughs> So if you could ask anyone one question, what would you ask and who would you ask? I'm going to spin this question a little bit. Okay. Because wonder, wonderful question. First, wonderful <laughs> question. But also the thing I'm most interested in the world about, like more than anything else, if I could wave a magic wand and know the answer to something, I would ask 
someone uh, no one knows the answer to this but like maybe god maybe uh, whatever but i would want to know how my life up to this point happened the way it did like what forces were at work that ended up being decisions that affected my life in one way or another uh, i would just want to see a replay of everything like kind of watch your life as a movie where you can see those little bits that fall into place that you don't see, like that the actor doesn't see when they're in the movie. Yes, exactly. Like sort of the indirect conversations that other people have that I may not know. Mm-hmm. But are like, oh no, the, the subway is not running on time. And that ended up like affecting something for my schedule, for my classes that ended up, you know, affecting who I meet in my mm-hmm. classes who are now my friends. And just the most indirect sort of non-linear decisions that have ended up molding me into the person I am today. Like if I had a different second grade class, I wouldn't know the majority of my best friends. Mm-hmm. Just things like that is so interesting to me. And what was at work and seeing the replay of maybe not what could have been, but like what went in to what is mm-hmm. now. All the different little things that went into that. It's so interesting to me. That's what I've always wanted to know. That's a really, good, that's a really cool thing to think about. I, I don't think I ever think that I, big picture. I literally think about that all the time. I <laughs> love that. So is there anything that you regret questioning? Is there anything I regret questioning? Mm-hmm. That's a very cool question too. <laughs> because I don't know, that kind of goes back to my, what am I afraid of questioning? Like mm-hmm. finding out the answers to things you didn't want to know the answer to. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a really hard time kind of coming to terms with the fact that there is real tangible corruption in places that you wouldn't think about. And I'm going to spin it back to academia for a second, because that's what I have the most exposure to right now. But like, I have a professor I'm not going to name any names, but um, just very sort of schemey practices with, with grading, with choosing favorites, with, you know, who's, who's on the right side or the wrong side of the, the fence, whether they <laughs> uh, grade things right or wrong. It's just that, that institution of academia, again, is very sort of shady in that way. And I regret sometimes finding out parts of this professor's agenda that like literally relates to spiting kids that she doesn't like and you know uh, making life better for the people that they do like and I just have a hard time coming to terms with the fact that some people don't feel like life should or is able to play on a level playing field like I, it it doesn't sit right with me and it makes me feel gross that corruption is such a thing and that favoritism and inequality, I guess, as a bigger term. But I, I wouldn't really have a definite, like concrete answer for this one, but just in general, diving more into the world of college, you're meeting great, 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 great people. But you're also meeting people that's your first real exposure to like, wow, <laughs> you, you, you might not be the best person in the world. And, um, you know, you believe in things that I don't believe in at all. 
because I think they're wrong. So that was a definitely a, a bit of a culture shock to me that I regret having it be so shocking <laughs> that I have just come to terms with that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, I think coming from somewhere like Pensacola, where I feel like that's not the most evident thing, you know, or even just, just like from high school, that it's to not, it, yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. If you could ask someone who's mentored you a question about why they directed you towards something, is there anything you would ask? I would ask them what they saw in me and what, what that sort of spark was to be so, so generous and so giving and so just ultimately kind and compassionate to, I don't know, have the, the wherewithal and have the initiative to want to mentor me. Because I have had people like that, especially in the church and people I'm sure we both know uh, growing up. But I would... I would want to know like where that first moment was where that connection was made because we've known a lot of people in our church since we've been like toddlers and you're not a real person then you're just a baby <laughs> but like what what that shifting point was between oh yeah they they are a child they they're just you know in the nursery and daycare and whatever to when you're sort of when you become a person that has that initiative in your life that you want to start going towards things like I was a boy scout I was a boy scout for a while just because it was the thing to do but then it became something that I wanted as well so it's it's that sort of moment shifted and what that mentor saw in me I guess to want to that's the best way I think I can phrase that I think that's really well stated um what what do you think the benefit would be from knowing that or what would you be able to do with that knowledge? I think that just goes back towards my interest in knowing all the factors that shape my life and knowing mm-hmm. all the indirect things. Like what conversations would one of my teachers have to have had with another one, maybe talking about what class I should go into for my junior or my senior year and how that would affect you know, who I get exposed to as an authority figure and as a mentor and what they saw in me to want to push me to do different things. So I I guess you could link a lot of this up back into that sort of overarching theme, I guess. But uh, that's just the first thing I thought about when you asked me to do this podcast, because I just think that's the most interesting thing in the world. And I think that this podcast is a great outlet for a lot of the things that people like me and like you and like uh, the other people on your show think about maybe, but haven't had the best words or time or place to express them. Sure. And that's something I really hope that people get from this, um, the people that I have on, you know, I think not to toot my own horn, but I think these are very well thought out (laughs) questions and I put a lot of effort into them. And I hope that the people who are answering them are getting something out of this as well. (laughs) Quit tooting that horn. (laughs) Yes, I, I agree with you 1,000%. <laughs> I agree with you. So my next question is, do you have any questions for me? I would ask you your second question. How would you define the role of curiosity in your life? I would define it as something that is both 
terrifying and extremely um, vital. I, I think as someone who wants to go into science, I don't think you can go into science and not have some sort of curiosity about something. It's kind um, of the point, yeah. Yeah, that's literally the whole job description. Um, it's also definitely something that I question if I have enough of as someone who wants to go into science. Um, I have a friend who, I took a science class with her one time and she every day after class would have probably 10 questions about the material that we had talked about yep. that day, just off the top of her head. I've got the same people in my <laughs> studio class. Yeah. I got I think, you. I think that can bring on doubt that like, Oh, I don't have these questions. I don't have that kind of innate curiosity in me about everything. But I think there's mm -hmm. also something to be said about having specific curiosities and, you know, like there are so many things about plants that I want to learn about and that gets me mm -hmm. going. But I can guarantee you that most people listening to this probably could care less about plants and the mechanisms that drive them. I could care less about them. plants. <laughs> yeah. And I do not know how to draw a building. There are just unique things about the way that people look at different things um, and mm -hmm. are able to see different things in them. Um, and I think that that's something that's definitely been a fear of mine, but also something that I'm working toward, you know, living into that avenue of curiosity in my life. Yeah, that also definitely hooks into the uh, sort of conversation about you can't live your life compared to the interests of other people. Mm -hmm. Because like you said about the people in your class that might have everything in the world to say with all these brilliant questions to ask your professors, like that's, that's them, that's not you. And you can't live compared to what they may think about something. Exactly like you mm -hmm. said, you can like, everyone's got their own specific thing. You might not know what it is yet. Most people don't know what it is yet. I don't know what it is yet, but you just, it's really, really kind of harmful to limit yourself to the comparison with someone else. Mm -hmm. I really can't, I like, we all do it sometimes. I do it sometimes, but that, I think that is not the greatest way to live your life. Yeah, I'd agree. Cause like, it's about what you find value in. Like the things that you're going to be questioning are the things that you would find value in the answers. And, you know, I place value mm -hmm. in things different than you do. And so, I mean, it makes sense that we wouldn't be looking into the same things all of the time. Well, thank you for asking that. <laughs> um, of course, of course. And my last question for you is, do you have any questions that you would like to share with the audience or maybe leave people thinking about? Hmm. I would ask for anyone that might be listening to us talking about questions, <laughs> <laughs> I would ask, what is it that you would be unhappy if you didn't do in your life? Same thing my mom told me, I think about it all the time, in terms of where I see my life going, which of course things get derailed all the time and uh, the only good plan is having no plan, as we've all seen with <laughs> the, the quarantine and everything that's happened here in recent uh, days and months. It's kind of derailed a lot of our plans. But I just no matter what happens, no matter how much things may seem they're off the rails, I just try to live my life thinking okay, sure, that might not work out. But if it's something that I would be unhappy if I didn't do, I would definitely want to keep pursuing it. So that's what I would like to ask everyone is just to themselves, what would you be, like, what could you not live if you didn't do? What could you not live with yourself for if you didn't do, I guess? And it kind of puts things in perspective with where your priorities are, I guess. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, that's a great thing to leave people thinking about. And thank you so much again, Ben, for 
coming on here and having this conversation with me. Of course, this is a fantastic idea again. And I, I want to hear 40, 50, 100 other podcasts. I've, I've listened to all your ones before this. Time. I think Aww. it's a great idea. Well, thank you. Um, and thank you so much to everyone who's tuning in. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye, guys. Oh, hey, pals. I almost forgot. If you missed my interview last week with Valerie, here's one of my favorite little bits. Realize that happiness, just like anything in life, takes a lot of work. You have to be really conscious about it. So lately, I've been really good about questioning my own attitude. Like, hey, Val, do you really need to be in a negative mood today? Like, did that one five-second thing really, is, is it really worth your negative attitude? Okay, that's actually it. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this and to foster your own questions and curiosity. Um, and I can't wait to talk to you guys again next week on Sunday morning. Bye-bye.